Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So before we jump into episode 15 this week with Andrew Salamatov from uh, the Exchange team, wanted to cover off some of the things that have happened this week in the world of the web. The first one I've come across was uh, Dan Wiling, who is very well known in the AngularJS space in normal web development technology. Um, actually had built an AngularJS sample, which we've mentioned on this show before, the Expense Manager sample, which is available on github.com slash office dev. Um, he actually did a show with .NET Rocks, which is another great podcast if you're not listening to already with Richard Campbell and Cole Franklin, two very cool dudes that do a variety of different podcasts, but they focus .NET Rocks purely on .NET. Uh, speaking to Dan about the Office 365 APIs and his experience of building the AngularJS sample. So go check that out on their show. And they've got a bunch of shows that they've um, they've recorded around Office 365 developers as well. So highly encourage you to go check out their show. The second one was the Azure AD team on their blog have actually announced that OpenID Connect and, and OAuth 2.0 support in Azure Active Directory has now gone general availability. And that was as of the 9th of September. So it's really exciting. There's some great scenarios there with the Office 365 APIs, which actually leverage those Azure Active Directory endpoints. Uh, now the ability that that's now general availability to go in and use those things against OpenID Connect and Auth 2.0. So please go and check that out. And then the usual suspects, Richard Desariga has actually posted something on using apps for Excel, using custom data access and some reporting stuff. Some cool little samples there, some scenarios. I think he's been building for his MC, MTC work um, down there in Dallas and uh, some great kind of walkthroughs of getting that working. So please, that's definitely something you should be looking at if you're doing any kind of business intelligence and dashboard type work. Richard does some great work around that. and He's helped me out a lot with the Power BI and Power Query stuff too. So top guy in that space as well as it seems in Yammer and Apps for SharePoint too. No end to his talent. And then another guy that got so much time for who's actually speaking at TechEd Europe uh, on behalf of our team. It's Chris O'Brien, who's a SharePoint MVP based in London. And he just shipped two posts this week based on the uh, JavaScript approach of provisioning inside uh, SharePoint using the app model inside Office 365. And then talks about the three ways in which you can basically provision managed metadata via CSOM and REST and various other bits and pieces. So... Definitely check those articles out. They're extremely useful nuggets if you're doing anything with managed metadata or you're trying to provision artifacts, whether it's sites, site collections, other bits and pieces as well. So appreciate Chris writing that up today. Uh, he, he's obviously pushing this hard with the customers he's working with in London around Office 365, so certainly someone you should be following if you're not on his blog already. And then lastly, um, Ilya Struth in Europe has been posting a bunch about kind of branding in SharePoint and he posted a great article this week on how you can essentially use SharePoint themes and bundling your own custom web fonts and a font scheme as part of that in a scripted way. So if you're doing anything with branding and you really drastically don't like the fonts that SharePoint uses out of the box, that theme package can be overridden with some various different font aspects and Alio kind of shows you how to do that. So some good stuff going out there this week. 
So without further ado, we'll jump into the show, uh, talking very deep into the Outlook world this week. I've worked a lot with Andrew at various shows where he spoke at events about Outlook, uh, as me as the kind of the content owner there. And I really wanted to get him on to articulate the value of what you can do with Outlook when it comes to the new app model and um, just his experiences in engineering and the genuine level of, you know, he's really interested in your feedback. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy the show and he's really looking to hear back from you guys on the various different mediums, whether it's user voice or the Yammer network or the MSDN forums and stack. So um, please, you know, take a look around if you're working with Outlook at the minute. Definitely reach out to him after the show. And, uh, we'll have some more shows coming up next week. I'm actually going to be at XB TechCon Boston next week, so I'm hoping to grab a few of the uh, speakers there and get some shows rattled off too. So uh, enjoy the show and uh, hear from you next week. Okay, so I'm here with Andrew Salamatov from the Exchange team today. Um, sitting in Building 1, we've had to run back over to my office to grab an SD card because it wasn't in my, uh, my podcast kit today. It was a total rookie mistake, so thanks for driving me back over to Building 1. No worries, uh, and I'm going to correct you on that one a little bit. Uh, the accent falls on the MA, so I'm Andrew Salamatov. Oh, no, look at that. <laughs> I, um, we often read out uh, people's tweets and like, I look at some of these uh, names, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, how am I going to pronounce that one? So, well, at I'm least mine is consonant and vowel, vowel, so it's, true. Uh, it's a little easier there. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and no worries. With no. the Australian stroke, English stroke, American accent, yeah. it's always going to be tricky. No, it's okay. Uh, I have never had any non-Russian get it right the first yeah. time, so I'm used to it, so no worries at all. So you're originally from? Russia. I am. How, how long have you been over in the States for? Uh, 20 years, actually, as of August 3rd. I've wow, been here okay. for 20 years, so yeah. So I, did, where, did you study over in the U.S. or study in Russia? I did. So I went to college in the U.S. I, yeah. came, I came over here uh, still in elementary school, and then I did most of my schooling in the U.S. I, went, I finished uh, Cornell University with a bachelor's and a master's degree in computer science. And yeah. Right after that, I came over to uh, Microsoft. Had a couple internships, one at Amazon, oh, one at Google, right? and came over, yeah, right after college, we came over straight to Microsoft as a program manager. Cool. So you spent your uni years showing up all the Americans drinking vodka, right? I mean, <laughs> of course, your, of course. your blood. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> so when you joined Microsoft, um, what, what team are you in? What roles were you doing there? Yeah, so I joined Microsoft and, uh, immediately into the Microsoft Exchange team. Oh, right. And I've been there the whole time. I've actually been with uh, uh, pretty much the same group of people uh, working uh, and reporting up to. Uh, and it's been a really, really fun experience and a really great group of people to work with. Uh, initially, my team owned Exchange Web Services, and that's uh, yeah. where I really got started and got my hands dirty with extensibility and, ex- and Exchange programmability. Yeah. Um, and in Web Services, I worked on the streaming notifications feature, so some of our uh, long-time uh, developers who use notifications features, they, they've tried that one out, so I'm the guy that, that built that. I hope, hope it works for everyone. <laughs> uh, and right after I made it possible to, uh, to call more Exchange APIs, I then worked on a feature that uh, throttles that entirely down and prevents you from calling Exchange <laughs> APIs. And that's called uh, Exchange Throttling. So uh, back then we realized that uh, this was just when Exchange was making forays into online uh, and then data center. And we realized that on-premises, uh, administrators really have a tight control over the system. Uh, but in the cloud, anyone can call these APIs, and administrators, we are the administrators, and we right. have so many callers uh, that can be calling these APIs that can really do significant damage to our servers. And so we really needed a system that can make sure that we don't have denial-of-service attacks against our servers. 
Uh, and so we uh, invested for a couple of years into throttling. And so right. I, I pioneered some of that work together with another uh, awesome, awesome developer, David Sterling, on our team. So cool. he, and I, he and I did some initial groundwork there. Is that kind of thing where, you know, like with Azure and what they're doing now with some of the web API stuff, does any of that technology that you guys have learned there move transition over? Is that learning share between different groups? Because I'm sure like... Throttling, throttling APIs must be a common thing across all of our services. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I haven't, I didn't work on throttling long enough to know how uh, how it uh, extended over to Azure because back then Azure didn't really exist; like it was yeah. just coming on. Uh, we did we did share a lot of thinking with MSR and some of the other teams that were looking into similar projects. So yeah. we did we did have some uh, uh, cross team learning there. Um, but as it uh, as specific to Azure, I actually don't know the answer to that because yeah. I worked on it for about a year and a half, and then uh, my team went on to actually work on mail apps. Um, right, right. Whereas uh, throttling went off to to be owned and driven by by another team right, in the right. future. Yeah. And so, typically, when you're in these teams for these projects, what kind of roll rate? Like, how long are you in the? Is it eighteen months, two years, and you move on to something else? Or? Yeah. It's a great question. So when I first joined, we were still uh, in what we call the waterfall model, right, where right. exchange would ship once every three, or two and a half to three years. Yeah. Uh, and we would break up the entire release into a number of different milestones. And so each milestone would take maybe uh, six to eight months, something like that. Um, and so you'd be in the role for the release. So for the entire two and a half years or so, you'd be you'd be doing the same. Uh, working on the same uh, same role, same project, because you really needed that continuity to finish shipping. Right. Um, but but since then, we've transitioned into a much uh, uh, more agile platform. We'll call it agile or agile, uh, yeah. office agile, <laughs> uh, uh, and that that is much simpler, and it it allows us to innovate much quicker. But it also gives uh, more flexibility to to people, so you can switch from teams uh, more frequently, or you can stay longer and really watch your project evolve and continue to evolve uh, without having these uh, arbitrary limits as to when a project has to end and when you have to pick up something something different to work on. Yeah, it was interesting. We had Brian Jones on the show, and he was talking about like the ship parties and Mm -hmm. how, you know, it's such a big milestone to land that three-year cycle thing, whereas now it's kind of you're celebrating the smaller things as you chip away at various different bits. So it's oh, an yeah, interesting, yeah, absolutely. Imp- interesting switch in how you guys are motivated and mm-hmm. what you work on. Did he talk about the hot tubs? He talked about, he didn't cover the hot tubs, so I'm going to hit up on that, but he definitely talked about <clears throat> the uh, the water fountains and the, uh, uh, yes. the the demolition parties of the offices and different things like that. So, yes. was, so come on then, what's the hot tubs thing? Oh, so at the ship parties in exchange, it's uh, exchange is known for having hot tubs. We right. always have... Uh, hot tubs there and then obviously as people uh, uh, become more caroused <laughs> then uh, um, then there's uh, people start getting dunked in hot tubs and uh, it, it's a lot of fun you kind of have to experience it yeah I'm sure those days were pretty interesting mm-hmm. to see all that kind of crazy stuff going on around the yes. office shipping yes yes and so um, you know you mentioned the mail apps obviously I've been working with you since I joined um with various things I've seen you speak at, whether it was Build or um, SBC and Mech as well, the Exchange Conference, around um, these mail apps. So, you know, what does that mean for a developer? What's the benefit of having a mail app in this new this new way of thinking? Yeah, so I think there are, are a lot of different benefits to, to, to look at. 
I think it, it. I think one of the things that we did with the mail apps is we really expanded who the target developer is. We went from the um, the professional office developer, which which was really the title and the role that you had to have in order to do development for Office and for Outlook previously, and we now made it possible for any developer. Uh, any web developer, any any developer who is familiar with web technologies to build and extend Outlook and customize Outlook to their own scenarios. And the value there is is tremendous because we, we used to have many, many developers uh, uh, in the spectrum. Some of them are just interested in uh, saying something like, hey, it would be awesome if I had this one widget or this one piece of functionality. It would be so cool if I just... If I had that and it would make me more productive or the people that know me uh, and that I can distribute this to more productive. Yeah. And you could go from there all the way to, uh, you could go to uh, developers who work on actual services, services like uh, small business uh, customer relations software or accounting software or expense reporting software. And, and these, these companies, especially the startups, they're very limited as to how much funding they have and how much time they have to build and to integrate. Yet integrating with Outlook is is a huge value proposition for anyone because users, productivity users, email users spend the vast majority of their time in Outlook. That is what they spend their entire day in. Right, right. And so being able to integrate your service into into the, the product empowers those users to be even more productive, but it also helps uh, your company stand out and your project stand out because yeah. you can uh, advertise it to them. And you can say, hey, uh, my product differentiates from everybody else in the field in that it, I make it so much easier for you to complete the necessary actions, file that expense report, save that message to CRM uh, with just one click of a button. Yeah. And the really cool part about mail apps is that we it is a write once run across all form factors uh, platform. So you can build this mail app that runs in Outlook, but also Outlook on the web, and also Outlook in your mobile phone. And now you can empower your users to file that expense report uh, right right after receiving the hotel receipt, or right right, right from the airport, you know, as you're uh, as you're leaving on your trip with one click of a button. Yeah. Um, so the value the value proposition is is really huge there. You can you know you can you can build great integrations. Uh, you you keep the user where he's most productive, uh, while at the same time you uh, you're able to make your company stand out. And the cost is very small to get started. We've had we've had partners who built an entire solution, again desktop, web, and mobile within a week. Right, right. Within a week, they they completed eighty to ninety percent of the integration, and they just had to uh, polish things off and submit to the store. Yeah, and 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 so part of that is you know when you talk about the, I guess the office developer, it was almost like a I heard it yesterday said as it was a career decision to be an office developer, mm-hmm. right? If you wanted to be a VSTO developer, you know, that you really had to invest and, and know the inner weeds of what was going on inside mm-hmm. Office to be able to light it up in the way you chose choose mm-hmm. to. Whereas now, like, if you've got a web stack background of HTML and you can call JavaScript, essentially you're in, in and running, right? Yeah, exactly. And the other positive of that is that you're able to utilize your web technologies. So if, you're, if your company uses AngularJS, if your company runs on Ruby on Rails or PHP or Java, you don't need to learn, you don't have to learn a .NET. You don't need to be a C++ developer. Yeah. You don't need to use a specific particular stack 
buy a PC, install Visual Studio. You can use whatever computer you're currently using, whatever dev environment you're currently using. All mail apps are is just a pointer to some HTML content at the right. end of the day, and that's that's the simplicity and the power of the platform. So, so as a, an enterprise developer, if I'm building an app uh, inside Outlook, where, where do my bits run? Where can I host those things? Like, what's the typical scenario you see for an enterprise organization and what they do with that? Yeah. Uh, so, in the enterprise, uh, the enterprises themselves. So, the way that mail apps platform works is that there it, it consists of kind of two bits. There is the the first part is the XML manifest, which describes how the app integrates. It talks about all of the UX hooks. Does the mail app appear and read uh, while the user is reading a message or while the user is composing a message? Uh, under which conditions does it appear? Uh, but it also specifies where is all where does the code run? Where where does the code execute? Yeah. And then the, the and so then the HTML part, that's up to the developer to, to decide where to host. So on yeah. an enterprise uh, likely the, the enterprise developer would have to uh, put up some sort of a uh, server. Um, but this would be very similar to uh, any, you know, any uh, uh, internal portal site that they would right. have to build. So you know, pick whatever server is available to your use uh, and, and you can host your app there. Uh, Azure, of course, makes things so much simpler, but if you depend on Active Directory and Windows Integrated Authentication or... Uh, if an enterprise developer wants to make sure the app is secured from outside network traffic, then yes, you do need some internal right, server. Right. So. And so when we talk about mail apps with Exchange, um, obviously with OA um, and with Outlook on the desktop, is there any limitations if you're on-premises with Exchange servers compared to Exchange Online or...? the mail apps work in, in both those scenarios? Yeah, that's a great question. So our goal is definitely to make sure that we do not uh, have limitations in one or the other, that the yeah. same mail app works uh, in both. And we, we really did achieve that. And so uh, currently the, the features that we have in mail apps uh, do work in both uh, on-premises uh, or online, and it's the same app. So you don't need to write any special code right. or or you know, special case it in any way. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And then how, how does that get deployed? So I've got that XML manifest mm -hmm. fire. Where, where do I put that? What's the approach for that being lit up in, say, if I'm a, a business user, how do I get that shown to my business users within my organization? Yeah, uh, so once you've authored the XML manifest, at that point, you have a couple of options. Uh, you can, uh, if you want to install it for yourself to test it out, um, you know, using, using uh, Visual Studio, you can just hit the play button or the run button, and it will yeah. deploy for you, for you, and you can you can test out the app. Uh, once you're done with it, and once you're ready uh, to install the app, um, today you have to uh, reach uh, reach out to an administrator and uh, and ask the administrator to actually go and install this app for uh, whichever set of users need this app. So it yeah. would have to be an Exchange administrator that takes the manifest. The XML manifest and then goes into uh, Exchange Control Panel uh, and then clicks to, uh, on Apps and adds the app there. And you can pick who sees it. So if it was maybe an app for the HR team or the finance team, you can actually yes, deploy exactly. That app so you can de you can deploy it out uh, to individual users. You can't yeah. deploy it out to a specific distribution list uh, today. Yeah. But you can. But an administrator can deploy it to a set of users. Sure. And, and okay. the way to do that would be to use our PowerShell commandlets, which yeah. are well-documented online. So using PowerShell commandlet, uh, administrator can deploy it out to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but we actually do see this as a friction point, and we are looking at 
simplifying uh, and lowering this restriction. So uh, in the future, we do see um, enterprise developers building an XML, uh, this XML manifest in this app, and then just distributing the, the manifest to users uh, on their own. And so an end user could go ahead and install this app for him if, if the user feels it's useful for them. Uh, okay. Now, of course, we, we understand that this can be uh, uh, insecure for some organizations. Right. And so we'll always empower uh, exchange administrators to lock this down. Right. Uh, but we do want to lower the uh, adoption rate. And yeah, so sure. that would be a great way to do that. Yeah, and then obviously I can understand that from an exchange like um, Outlook Online because obviously that's something you're running as a an IT within your organization. But mm-hmm. if someone installs Outlook on their personal machine but then hooks it up to their exchange account, um, will those apps get pushed through in that scenario as well? Or is that something that that exchange user has to go and add to that Outlook desktop version? Yeah, and so great question. So apps are actually uh, installed into the mailbox. And yeah. So the right way to think about apps is that they're not added to the instance of Outlook, but rather they're added to the user's account. Or so to like the user's it roams mailbox. wherever they exactly. go. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, so the, the goal is that uh, any Outlook client that connects to this mailbox yeah. has these integrations. And that's that's exactly the direction cool. we're headed in. So it's a lot easier to distribute these things exactly. than it was in the old days of com add-ins with, you know, exactly. so, scripts on boot up. And, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you imagine in the old days, uh, if you're a new employee or if you just received a new piece of hardware, you received a new laptop, uh, the administrator would have to push out all of these software updates out to you. You'd have to push out a a new com add-in and have to lo- uh, be installed in your computer yet again, uh, and or if you had to wipe your computer because it was uh, so there was some problem with it, again you'd have to reinstall everything. This isn't the case now. Now it's very simple. Right. Wherever you log in into Outlook, uh, you just have the apps right there for you. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. And um, with, with that, with that scenario, the deployment and um, whatnot. What about um, kind of debugging it? So you mentioned mm-hmm. the F5 experience when I'm running it on my machine. If your web, web pages aren't playing nicely or they're mm-hmm. not calling the office JavaScript libraries nicely, what kind of debug experience do you have? Because when I'm F5ing, it's loading either in, you can choose, right? You can mm-hmm. choose running Outlook Desktop or choose to run in the, the browser and use OA. Mm-hmm. What kind of experiences have you got there to kind of troubleshoot those types of things? So the great thing is that if you're using Visual Studio, Visual Studio can a- attach its debugger yeah. either to Outlook or to uh, in- Internet Explorer or, or Chrome now as well. Right. And so you have the full power of Visual Studio debugging. You can add breakpoints. You can add variable watching. Uh, you can hover over uh, individual variables and see what the what the values are. You can step through the uh, the, the process. Uh, Visual Studio really makes that super simple and yeah. very and very easy and, and a great debugging experience. And and because it's the Office APIs in, or the Office.js is JavaScript, so pretty much mail apps are really on that client side communicating back over to, I guess, the parent information. Mm-hmm. So. If I've got a an app that's showing in a inside a compose mode or mm-hmm. um, or read mode, if I wanted to reach out to see who was you know get me the information in the two line or the subject mm-hmm. line, that's all been done via client side script in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. But if uh, for instance I could still run run it as an ASP.NET MVC app if I wanted to and have kind of server side code there, right? So I'm not yeah. I'm not tied to just using client side. Yes, yes. Client side code. You're free to use uh, any. 
any web technology you like. Yeah. Uh, again, it has to be HTML and JavaScript that's ultimately being rendered for the user, but yeah. it can be talking uh, to its own, the app can communicate back to a server uh, side uh, endpoint and can execute server side code there and you can use any technology for that. Yeah, so. and and one of the uh, you know one of the cool things I've found there's a few kind of scenarios which I'm sure people are listening have maybe seen these already and I know you demonstrate some great ones but I kind of like the from the Microsoft Virtual Academy training we just shipped the the FedEx tracker one where mm-hmm. you know I've received an email in my inbox and the manifest for this FedEx tracker app is looking for uh, regex matching the the tracker number. Mm-hmm. And if there's a tracker number in the email, obviously it lights up in mm-hmm. the, the app bar. Um, and then they click on that and see the information directly from the FedEx mm-hmm. website in a lot more detail. And obviously it's real time rather than the email is obviously a snapshot of what was sent to that person's mm-hmm. inbox. Mm-hmm. What, what other scenarios have you seen where that really works other than the kind of the FedEx tracker in that same notion of using regex to light up whether that app shows up or not? Yeah. Uh, so we've seen a, a few examples. Uh, actually, in the store, we have a, a couple of apps that try and do this. We have one app that uh, activates on uh, uh, keywords such as PHP, um, uh, I think .NET, C++, a few of the tech keywords to yeah. help uh, uh, to help the uh, user uh, look up um, uh, available, uh, actually, job seekers. So it's kind of like a an HR uh Tool. So if you're right. looking for, yeah, if you're looking to hire someone who is proficient in those uh, skills, uh, the the mail app will activate if if those terms are found in That's the email, cool. yeah, and then just show you, hey, these candidates have the skills that that you're that you're that this message is discussing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can also imagine some uh, enterprise level scenarios as well. So. Uh, one one classic example would be a ticketing experience. So yep. virtually every uh, every large enterprise has some some notion of help desk or some notion of ticketing, and we have the same thing at Microsoft. And for our uh, ticketing uh, system, we we actually built an internal mail app uh, that activates on uh, ticket numbers. And so yeah. you can imagine a scenario, and we have this happen all the time. Hey, uh, what did you think about this issue? And I and you put in the number. Instead of having, instead of the recipient having to go off and load up the software that pulls down the ticket information, so that he can look through, hey, what is really going on with this problem, uh, with the mail app, uh, because it activates contextually based on the presence of this ticket number, just click on the mail app and it immediately looks up all of that information for the user and shows him right there, and so you can yeah. just uh, reply right away very quickly. And I didn't. That's just an interesting scenario. So I didn't know we had that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen demos of it, but obviously I've not had a help desk ticket in mm-hmm. my inbox yet, so it's never activated for me. Yes. And so well, as, as your enterprise grows with apps, it, you know, you're only ever going to see the ones if contextually they make sense exactly, to you. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people ask, well, hang on, that bar is going to get really thick full of different apps. But the reality is they only light up when mm-hmm. that context raw hits. Yep, exactly. And in fact, we have some uh, really exciting ideas about how we can improve even that experience of contextual uh, that are going to be coming soon. So Yeah, uh, I, I know about those. And I'm looking forward to being able yeah, to talk to those yeah, a bit more. Yes. Um, and, and, and so in addition to that, with regards to kind of the scenario of showing that task task pain, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. inside that compose and read. Um, what, what else do you see? Like, what are the other things that you're seeing scenarios? Um, like, that, that one's a really good canonical mm-hmm. example. But what other things you see enterprises do there other than lighting things up based on context? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also scenarios around uh, providing actions that 
are applicable to a wide range of emails. Uh, yeah. And a, a great one is associating emails with a specific project. So uh, oftentimes in, in, in different organizations will, and even different teams within organizations will do this differently. But you can, you can imagine that in, in, many, in many teams, they like to use SharePoint, like some smaller team would like to use SharePoint as a, uh, as a place to organize all ideas central to a project. So it might be a SharePoint site, uh, where you store your, where a team and, and the team members store all of the PowerPoint presentations, Excel presentations, Word documents, maybe you have a OneNote uh, sitting there jotting down ideas. Yeah. Uh, but you use email to communicate and you use email to communicate and synthesize ideas and really collaborate on, on ideas and provide feedback. Right. And today, the, that is disjoint. If you're using SharePoint to keep track of all of your collateral, uh, your ideas are an email today. That's right. that's disjoint. Uh, there are there are great scenarios around building mail app that allows you with a click of a button to say, "Hey, save this email straight into my uh, SharePoint site, right. so that everyone else can access it." Because the idea and this uh, that and the discussion that resulted from the idea in this thread is extremely valuable and very interesting to everyone. So you can imagine a mail app where click of a button you save it to SharePoint. Or maybe with a click of a button, you save it to uh, somewhere in, in OneNote, right. uh, uh, to a OneNote location. And so how, how what's the process with the auth then? So if I've got a mail app and I'm in OAuth, um, if I want to call the SharePoint API, so I've used the Office JS API to get mm -hmm. the, the attachment in context of the email I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. But then what, what hops do I have to do then to go and then persist that back into SharePoint? Yeah, uh, so I actually have uh, a demo that I showed and, and also some demo code that I showed in the build presentation and also in SharePoint uh, conference doing this. Yeah. Uh, I showed the example of how you would do this with Exchange and SharePoint Online where we utilize uh, the new SharePoint REST APIs um, and the uh, Active, Azure Active Directory uh, OAuth uh, solution. So you can use OAuth in order to authenticate, and then you use the new uh, file SharePoint REST APIs right. in order to, act, to actually save it to SharePoint. Okay. Um, so it becomes very simple. If you're uh, an on-premises organization, it is a little more complex, and that you, you need to uh, you need to handle authentication uh, a bit differently. Right, right. Um, but it is, it's very simple uh, in Office 365 orgs. And then and in, in addition to that, like there was a demo in the SBC keynote, which um, Arpan, my Skip Skip lead, uh, demoed, where he showed like, you know, context of a mail kicking off a SharePoint workflow. Mm -hmm. So not just interacting and taking an attachments out of email and saving them to a SharePoint library, but then in actual fact approving a document that then push through a oh, workflow yeah. as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. That um, is another great example. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, you don't have to leave Outlook mm -hmm. and jump into your SharePoint page, find that library, find mm -hmm. that document. I can stay in Outlook and, and do interact with that business process mm -hmm. by triggering that SharePoint workflow mm -hmm. there. Yes, absolutely. So it's kind of cool the meshing of like leveraging all these different platforms that we have within Office 365 to do those things as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is really the power of the Mail Apps platform. Yeah. It really allows you to connect other services and and those other services they could be other office 365 or office services but they could also be other third-party services yeah but the whole point is you connect and you bridge the two those together you bridge email and those services together to really make it super simple for our users to just get get the action done and get on with their day 
And yeah, I mean, no offense to you guys in exchange, but sometimes I wish I didn't live in Outlook so much. <laughs> um, since I've joined, my inbox is um, pretty crazy. Yeah. I do try and stick by uh, an inbox zero rule. So it'd be nice to have some kind of mail apps that worked on um, prioritizing and ranking, maybe, you know, like there's mm -hmm. a, a decision tree that this person's emailed you and he's free. Three mm -hmm. levels up for you in the org, and you know that should mm -hmm. mean you've got to get back to him within the next few days. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, uh, that's a great point, and actually, that could leverage some of the new REST APIs that we are that are in preview right now. Yeah, uh, th that we're working on. So, you, uh, developers could could definitely build something that is uh, sort of a backend uh, system that monitors your mailbox, monitors when your messages coming in, and then helps you prioritize that maybe by spreading around uh, uh, different folders, the, the messages, different folders, and telling you you should look at this folder first or this other folder right. first. It's kind of like, um, I mean, there's a, the ability to do auto rules where you can move things and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, but kind of it'd be nice, I guess, you know, if you wanted to build something totally custom, is there a way of polling for something in your inbox? Like, is, are there events within the API yet, or are we? Is it would it be more that you had a... A worker role, wake up and mm -hmm. and call the inbox and see what's new since a current date. Yeah, it's a great question. So notification, we don't have notification APIs in uh, our OData uh, protocol yet. Yet, not yeah. REST APIs yet. That's something that's pretty high on our list that we're looking into. Yeah, uh, it does exist with with Exchange Web Services. That was one of the features that I worked on. Right, uh, and that can be used. Exchange Web Services doesn't have an OAuth solution, but any enterprise dev. They can they can use what we call uh, service impersonation, right? Um, and they can set that up, and then yeah, that that scenario would definitely be possible. Yeah, I actually blogged about this um, where you can use the you can actually get the Azure AD token, mm -hmm. um, and then when you call the EWS service, it'll um, use that as the the bearer bearer token, and it actually allows you to call the EWS APIs. So it's using the Azure AD auth. Um, and when you call the AWS the Exchange client um, inside .NET, it'll actually allow you to use that bearer token and it offs you through. Mm -hmm. But it'd be interesting to see whether you could use the notification services. I was using it to get at the tasks, because mm -hmm. obviously in the REST OData endpoints, we don't have task API yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I was using it to get at the tasks, because the mm -hmm. tasks essentially live in your messages anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting kind of the different things you can do with Maybe the older APIs, but I yeah. guess the strategy over time is that the REST APIs will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and REST top. APIs allow you to uh, have allow end users to consent to granular permissions. Right. Uh, which isn't something that you can do with uh, Exchange Web Services. So yeah. there are no it's granular kind of permissions. All or nothing, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's an all or nothing thing, um, and so it's it, it it's going to be much easier uh, to to build these. Uh, these sorts of apps and to distribute them yeah. when uh, when they they when the permissions really are uh, walled off to the set of uh, capabilities that the app really needs. Yeah. So that's why we're uh, for third-party developers really going down the path of OData and REST. Right, right. Um, it's, I'm not, like I'm not calling your baby ugly. Like I know you worked at yes, AWS yes. for a long oh, time. Oh no, not at all, not at but, all. Um, it's one of those uh, things where I'd much prefer a REST API and OData absolutely. to call yeah. without having to mm -hmm. download. Um, yeah. what AWS served its purpose. But oh, it was we awesome. have to. Yeah, we got to evolve. It was into well, It was newer. very easy to get. Again, me. I come from mm -hmm. uh, the SharePoint world, mm -hmm. and it was the first time I'd used AWS a few weeks ago, and mm -hmm. it was very easy to download those client tools and mm -hmm. get them inside my project, but um, yeah, obviously with the RESTful APIs, mm -hmm. you don't even need any now. I can just yes, call it just exactly. using raw HTTP mm -hmm. gets and posts. Exactly, yeah.
So um, wh where are you going with all this? Are you going to continue to drive with Exchange for a while and keep releasing new features? You know, what, Where are we going to see you coming yeah, up? Absolutely. Uh, so my passion definitely uh, sits with uh, really nailing the best possible mail uh, extensibility story. Yeah. I've invested a lot of time, a lot of thought in getting this far. And we feel that, you know, even though the platform has been out there for, uh, what is it, almost three years now, we feel we're, we're still, it's still a baby. It's still growing. It's not mature yet. And we have awesome, awesome ideas based on all of the feedback that we've collected from our partners of how we can evolve it and really make it very powerful and even more compelling uh, and deliver great, great user experiences. So uh, I'm definitely here uh, for a while. I, I definitely want to see the the platform mature and really achieve all the things that, that we're hear, hearing our partners ask for. Yeah, and I think, you know, the from the I do sit in the, the user voice triage stuff that we do with Office 55 development and a lot of it comes back as like the mail scenarios because it is a very popular scenario. Mm -hmm. As you say, like everyone lives in Outlook, everyone mm -hmm. lives in email all day. So mm -hmm. it's an exciting place to be. And I think mm -hmm. looking at the specs the other day, the uh, mail apps are definitely the most popular ones out of all the apps that we have available. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look, I mean, going back to from smoke signals to email, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all about communication. And yeah, that, yeah. And that hasn't changed in thousands of years. So right. that's always going to be the case. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an cool. exciting place to be. So how would the people listening keep up with what you're up to? Is that, Do you blog? Do you tweet? Do you, yeah, what, great like? question. So uh, I don't have a Twitter handle yet. I definitely need to catch up with that. Um, I think the best way to keep up would be by visiting the uh, apps for uh, Office uh, dev blog yeah. um, or the Exchange dev blog because uh, we'll cross-post uh, uh, our blogs yeah. uh, either in one or the other. Um, and then otherwise, I love to hear feedback and questions. So um, myself and my entire team, we pay very close attention to uh, the forums. So <clears throat> if there are any questions or any suggestions or any opinions uh, in the Apps for Office uh, forum, uh, we, we peruse that uh, almost daily. Yeah. So if you have any questions, please post them there and we, we try to reply immediately. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's all people uh, who are on the product team that... that answer those questions and then look at those questions. Yeah, so, you guys have been really good on uh, the Yammer network as well, the Office 365. Yeah, that's true, and that's another one. So anybody yeah. who's on the Yammer network, yeah. uh, absolutely, it's another great, great way to get in yeah. touch with us. No, it's been great to have you guys reply because, mm -hmm. you know, we can do a lot of it, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's nice to get you guys to jump yes. in and yes. you know stuff coming that maybe we don't even mm -hmm. know informed on yet. So yeah, totally. uh, we really appreciate your help mm -hmm. in kind of unblocking our customers mm -hmm. and, and moving them forward with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. Cool. Well, I really appreciate your time. I'm definitely going to get you back on the show because I know there's some awesome stuff we can talk mm -hmm. about after some events coming up at the end of the year. Um, was there anything you'd like to leave people with? Is there any sessions or uh, samples that you think people should go and check out mm -hmm. that, um, you know, if people are digging around with mail apps that they could kind of get their teeth mm -hmm. stuck into to play with it themselves? Mm -hmm. I think the, the best thing would be to check out one of my talks. Uh, probably the build talk would be the best one to yeah. take a look at and then the associated uh, code sample. Um, beyond that, I would say, uh, you know, check out dev.office.com and just take a look at the mail app uh, overview section there and see, see what's going on and then head over to the forums and ask, or to the Yammer network and ask us questions and we'd love to help you guys out. Yeah. We love working with partners and developers and so if you've got feedback or you're stuck, please let us know and we're more than happy to help. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. good. It's got nice to 
kind of get this message out there and, and for our listeners to hear this from engineering because I think sometimes they think that we're just saying it but mm-hmm. you guys genuinely mean it. So absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Cool, well thanks very much for your time and um, I appreciate you've only just come back off your vacation so I'm glad you managed to put this time into yeah, to absolutely. the show. Yeah, thank you. Cool, thanks Andrew. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com dev where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.